The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. So good morning, Sangha. Good morning, and welcome to the fifth and final of five talks on factors of mind that support stability of meditation practice, deepening of practice, and that can support us in daily life. So a brief recap, we started this week with the fundamentals of mindfulness and practice intelligence, a clear comprehension and curiosity about the present moment. We then covered connecting and sustaining, vitaka and vichara, and the emergent mental faculties, embodied faculties of joy, piti, and happiness or contentment, sukha. And then how it all collects together, unifies into ekagata, unification. Today, I'm going to talk about how wisdom supports fruitfully working with these mental faculties and how these factors also support wisdom. They can help us attune more to our own wisdom inwardly for the purpose of freedom from suffering, for the purpose of happier and more content lives, and for awakening. I'm also going to take a few minutes in the middle to answer some of the wonderful questions that came in through the chat. So, as I mentioned yesterday, ekagata, normally translated as unification or collected calm, is also translated as the capacity to make distinctions. The capacity to make distinctions, discernment, wisdom, is cultivated right in the process of what you've been learning, which is how to recognize distinctions between these different mental factors and others, and how they contribute to the meditative process. Wisdom is also cultivated in the process of learning to savor and be nourished by the goodness of these qualities the piti, the sukha, the mindfulness itself. And wisdom is developed by learning to let go of, eventually, any energetic or exciting, pleasurable aspects of experience and letting go into the more refined experiences of peace, equanimity, even little tiny glimmers of it. There's wisdom in learning what feeds our practice what is onward leading for us at different phases in our own practice lives and at different phases in our own development as humans. So equanimity. Equanimity, which is um, part of that fourth most soft still phase, is very closely related to wisdom and to ekagata unification. Wisdom and equanimity in particular both have kind of a settled back quality to them. There is a wise separation from reactivity to events in the moment. Mindfulness and practice intelligence, the five faculties cultivate a greater 
stability, capacity that can be directed towards this big picture, towards wisdom of knowing and seeing what's hard to see, wisdom about conditionality, cause and effect, and a lack of self-centeredness or even sense of a separate, solid, reified, concretized self. That wisdom can begin to develop through seeing the impermanence and inconstancy in life and moment-to-moment experience. And that can yield a sense of gratitude for what is the precious and kind of um, ephemerality of experience. So that wisdom that also develops can understand the contributing factors of dukkha or suffering in the heart and mind. As I mentioned earlier in this series, mindfulness is kind of a gatekeeper. I see a comment in the chat about this too, that discerns what's helpful to let in and what's not helpful to let in and guides what's helpful to nourish our practice the most. This is where mindfulness and wisdom begin to shape together. Sati Panya is the body. Mindfulness and wisdom. And this naturally develops. So for all of this, the attention does not need to be completely, totally unified in jhana, one-pointed. And that said, there are powerful forms of wisdom that can be cultivated by deep retreat and experiencing these states, particularly in discerning between them and in letting go of them and reflecting back on them. So that brings me to answering a few of the great questions people put in the chat yesterday. So the first question, is ekagata, unification, serenity, the same thing as samadhi? And I'll just say this briefly. Ekagata, unification, refers to being focused on one meditative object or on one point, especially in samadhi, overall meditative concentration or stability. So in that sense, the terms are synonymous. But ekagata is one small part of a broader experience of samadhi, settledness. The territory of samadhi is varied and vast, and ikagata is one part of that much larger landscape. So I'll just say now for details on more detailed answers to each of these questions, for time's sake, I did not, I'm not speaking all of it, but you can go to my website, and I did post detailed answers to these questions. And that is in the chat right now. Please don't read it right now. Wait till I'm done talking. But um, there are more detailed writings on this if you're interested in it. Second question. Is the unification and serenity of ekagata the same thing as equanimity? So they can be, is the answer. In the refined mind state of fourth jhana in particular, that place of complete stillness, 
unification and equanimity have merged. And that kind of unification is indeed one way that equanimity shows up. And there are many others. Um, There are other forms of equanimity that are not so still or gathered around a single meditation point that are part of a broad, flexible awareness. And then there's equanimity in these forms that's receptive to this wide variety of experiences, many, many things coming and going. So both kinds of equanimity are very powerful and beautiful, and each can be healing and transformative. However equanimity is experienced, it tends to be onward leading towards freedom, onward leading. The third and last question kind of overlaps with the one I just answered. Someone wrote, when I try to do single point of meditation, my mind guides me away. It feels like it's not skillful. Yet I remain interested because so many people report that it's very healing. So if this is you, and I'm confident there's more than one of you, I really want to encourage you to work with what feels skillful in your own practice, in your own mind. Trust your practice. Some minds benefit more from single-pointed concentration, unification than others do in the way that we've been talking about it this week. That said, if you're still curious, an option is to experiment with other objects of attention like metta or full-body breathing. There's many, many different objects. And it's helpful to know that some people's minds are just more naturally inclined towards samadhi in general and unification in particular. One of my teachers talks about these differences in our minds as being like left-handed or right-handed. It's not good or bad. It's just different. And If your mind isn't inclined that way right now, there's still plenty of wisdom, healing, open awareness that can develop. Right? So different kinds of practices work for different people at different phases. And to maybe back off from a style that doesn't seem to be working and experiment with something else for a while, let the practice mature, and experiment again in a few years if it's still of interest. But there are many different dharma doorways into maturity, greater freedom. So those are some of the answers. I do want to acknowledge that How do I want to say this? I want to acknowledge that there were a few questions that came in that I didn't have time to answer, one in particular on yogi mind. And that doesn't fit so well into this very short talk, but I will post about it sometime in the next week or two on the website. It's a longer kind of discourse to talk about. So, as I mentioned, for some people, metta. Rama Viharas are another way into this kind of unification. That was how I started concentration practice in my own practice. And there are resources available if you're interested in that. 
So to wrap up, as I mentioned yesterday, we don't need uncommon states to learn and start to develop wisdom and maturity. Discerning, relating to factors of mind as factors of mind starts to train our capacity and our ability to experience beautiful qualities in ourselves and our meditation practice and in others. And the five factors have corollaries in daily life. We can bring mindfulness and intelligence to that bigger picture in relating to our lives and to others. We can connect and give full attention to other people or to whatever's in front of us. Sustain those important connections, develop relationships based on respect, close attention, consideration, mature. Notice and resonate with joy, PT, and allow any initial joy of connection deepening to soften into contentment, practicing contentment with what is. That would be a corollary to sukha. And finally, allowing different ideas and deliberations all to occur in the field of understanding and acceptance with ourselves and with others. And when appropriate, gathering together towards any harmony, common purpose, integration that happens to be present. These are not the sole guidelines for interpersonal relationships, just a few notions of how these particular factors might apply. So, and finally, I'll just say these capacities, these factors are also helpful to tap into within yourself in daily life. There's kind of this feeling of being at home in our own bodies and minds that can be tapped into an inner access to a certain kind of stillness or contentment that can then be like carrying around our home with us, inside us, wherever we go. A little bit like a snail carries its shell or a turtle carries its shell. Home is always there. And this this can reduce grasping and discontent. So these are some of the gifts of finding stability and connection in your practice however you practice, however you find it. Thank you, Sangha, for your kind attention. It's been a joy to be with you this week. Be well.